The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. All right, I get the privilege of being the last week of our series, Church Is. If you want to open up your sermon outline there, you know uh, it's pretty typical, right? Oh, Tony, he's the outreach pastor. So, Church Is? Outreach, or sharing the good news. <clears throat> That's what it says on the line there, yeah, outreach, sharing good news. We'll, we'll unpack that in a minute, but um, before that, I also get the privilege of opening up next week a new series called Becoming, and so as you come into our church, maybe some of, uh, you know, in the, the main lobby where the coffee is, you, you see that sign, belong, believe, Okay, maybe some of you have not seen that sign. Next, become, belong, believe, become. And, and we've been kind of through the, the, the past year or so unpacking belong and believe. So that, that really the thinking is, you know, people want a place to belong before they, they believe. I mean, people need to know how much we care, right, before they care how much we know. And then that opportunity to share and they believe. And then, not, not, and then after they believe, they get to become what God has made them to be. So becoming, I'm going to talk a little bit on Romans uh, about uh, the Bible saying, uh, Romans 12, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Be transformed. Become who God has called us to be. And it's kind of a higher standard that God sets for Christians, and we're going to talk about that, that by God's grace, we're able to do that becoming. So that's next week. Um, But as we close uh, the Churches series, want you to take a look at this picture and probably you recognize it. You know, anyone who drives probably would recognize this. Now, Bo's house has five drivers, soon to be six, four cars with lots of miles on it. So inevitably, some of these car warning indicator lights are going to come on, especially the check engine light. Just happened this week. I'm not kidding you. And, and, and when that happens, you know, I've made more than one trip to AutoZone or to, to, to O'Reilly Auto Parts to get the, the code. Please, now I'm back again. It's me. Yep, give me the code. What's it say? Oh, bad oxygen sensor? No problem. I'm breathing all right. My kids are fine. <laughs> Tire pressure sensor? Who cares? I can eyeball it. It's low. I get it filled up. No problem. Just this past week, you know. Misfire in the second cylinder? Not an issue. I got three more in most of my cars. (laughs) Seven in the other. That's kind of how it rolls in the Bo's house. But in God's house, in the church, I liken this kind of car warning indicator lights to how God gets our attention. I mean, when this happens, it gets your attention, right? You see it, it gets your attention, and maybe you're overwhelmed about it, but but here God gets us uh, his attention too, and sometimes, as warnings, he sends out ways to do that. Interruptions, irritations, delays, they're kind of like uh, uh, car warning indicator lights to get our attention. I mean, how many of us have been interrupted or delayed when you're working, or we're eating, or playing, whatever it is. I mean, summer traffic in Michigan, talk about delays, right? Car repairs, whatever it might be. This might be just God's way of getting our attention that there's an opportunity here that we can share the good news. Do you ever realize that Jesus' days on earth, I mean, they were full of interruptions. Seemingly irritations to us, I mean, Jesus, come on. But here we are. 
He's teaching inside of a house, right? When, when he first starts to publicly preach, this house is crowded full of people. All of a sudden, there's four guys digging from a roof. So they, they let this lame man enter in this house and talk about an interruption. Now, what does Jesus do? He stops his preaching, looks directly at the man, and heals his most important thing, his soul. He says, your sins are forgiven. And then he works the power of God by healing this man. He's teaching inside. He's sleeping on a boat. I mean, I know about me. I need my eight hours of sleep. You know, if I don't get that, you know, sleep on a boat. You ever get interrupted when you're sleeping? Maybe some of you moms when you're younger. I mean, in the Bo's house, they know it's useless to try to wake up dad. He doesn't get up. You know, even if rats bite off his toe. That's a 10-year-old story. If some of you that are new here, I'll tell you that if you want to, to know about that. But I sleep hard, and, 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 and they wake up. And we get interrupted in our sleep. Jesus getting interrupted on a boat. Here's a storm. He's sleeping. Apparently, he sleeps hard too, right? Sleeping through this storm. And, and here are the disciples. They're in fear, right? And, and, and Jesus makes a point to say, look, I'm going to teach you what faith is all about. Not only teach you what faith is about, I'm going to demonstrate the power of God that's in me so you'll know who I really am. I'm God. Right? But he's also 100% human. He needs his sleep. He's dining in a home. Not just a home, but a home of a Pharisee. A, an important guy in, 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 in Jewish you know, tradition. And lo and behold, here comes a prostitute that walks in the house right up to Jesus. And Jesus stops everything, looks her right in the eye, and gives her what she needs most, the forgiveness of sin, and brings her to wholeness. Jesus welcomed interruptions. He welcomed irritations and delays. He demonstrates God's truth in his power through that. I mean, when these happen to us, can we think about it as God's way of getting our attention? That we would notice, God, what are you up to right now? Who's around me? How can I share this good news? I like the way the author C.S. Lewis writes it, the author of Chronicles of Narnia. He says, the great thing, if one can, is to stop regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions of one's own or real life. The truth is, of course, that what one calls the interruptions are precisely one's real life. The life God is sending day by day, what one calls one's real life, is a phantom of one's own imagination. Is that so true? As members of God's church, our church is not just about being bold and church is for everyone and church is not for ourselves, but church is really sharing the good news of what we've been given. And we're going to hear a story about that. I want you to open up the Acts chapter 8, page 1705 in the Bibles we provide. Acts chapter 8, we're going to really watch how God gets someone's attention and how in his church, he's going to send that, gives opportunity to share the good news, and then gives joy when people hear it. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26, it's Philip and the Ethiopian. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, a queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot, stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. 
Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So I invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading the passage of Scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. How many of you have heard that story before? Kind of familiar to you. It's familiar to me too, especially as one uh, taking a first call as a pastor to be a missionary. And when I read this story, I have a confession to make. I'm kind of envious of Philip. Not only envious, I'm maybe jealous a little bit. I mean, why? I wouldn't mind if some, you know, if, if God would tell me, wake up, Tony, you're going to go to Meyer today. You're going to take the shopping cart and pull up right next to this guy because he's got a lot of questions. And you're going to share the good news to him specifically about Jesus. I mean, I think that would be pretty awesome to hear directly from God. As a missionary, I was called to 70,000 Bosnian Muslim people living in this one area of South St. Louis. And I didn't get any direct voice from God (laughs) about where to go to. I mean, I think that's kind of like it is for all of us who follow Jesus. We wake up in the morning. You know, we kind of stumble around before we get our first morning cup of coffee, and then we get to go out into an adventure of what God has called us to be and do in our life. And who knows what unexpected things and realities and privileges we get to have in the life that God has given to us. I think of Forrest Gump, the movie, excuse me, the movie, you know, and his mom says to Forrest, life is like a box of, you never know what you're going to get. I think that's the way it is in church, too. The church is like a box of chocolates. We just never know what surprises and what privileges and the timing of sharing God's good news. But here's the reality of it. Jesus, he knows. He knows everything. He's at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. That's not in a location, but it's a position of power and authority. And he knows who's going to be in our path He's going to lead us, just like he led Philip to this Ethiopian. He's going to give us the right words to say. You know, Philip, Pastor RJ said this last week, Philip was one of those men that was appointed. He's an evangelist of the church. He was called by the church of Jerusalem. And then just previously in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, if you want to look at that, Acts 8, 1 says there's a great persecution that happened. A great persecution happened and all the followers, all the Christians scattered from Jerusalem except the apostles. Philip's one of those 
that scattered. And the Bible says the word of God spread and the number of disciples increased rapidly. So Philip's this evangelist preaching the good news to all these towns and villages. But here's a few unique things that I hear from this story, this true story about Philip. Number one, an angel of the Lord tells him to go. Not only go, but the Bible says go south to on a desert road. I, I don't know about you, but I'd be scratching my head if I were Philip saying, wait a minute. If you're calling me to go somewhere, like, there's no people there. <laughs> Aren't I supposed to be going to a town where there's like a bunch of people, you know, like 70,000 Bosnians or Samaritans or something like that? But no, he gets told to go to this desert road, travel down this lonely road. Probably not many people passing by on that road. And yet Philip, we don't hear or read that he complained, that he didn't go grudgingly. He just went. I think we ought to pause for just a minute and just consider. Just consider for a moment how we're not often like Philip. You know, when God puts detours in our lives that don't seem right, that don't fit our plans, a delayed flight, construction, in the doctor's office, in the mechanic shop, whatever it is, our reaction is pretty different than Philip's. Our reaction is, why me? Why now? This throws a monkey wrench into all my plans, God. Come on. Yet isn't it so true that God knows every single detail of our life? And maybe he's just putting this thing that happened for a purpose and for a reason for his good. Just maybe. Another thing I noticed about Philip is this. That God sets up this divine appointment, this opportunity, not just with a VIP, a very important person. But I say a VRP, a very religious person. Think about what the Bible says. He went there, there meaning 600 miles across deserts, roads from the upper regions of the Nile to Jerusalem. It says he's there to worship. It says he's, he's devoted. He even has scrolls, like scrolls from the Old Testament that are probably written in Hebrew. Or if he doesn't have Hebrew, he's got the Septuagint, which is Greek, meaning he knows how to read Hebrew and Greek. So he's devoted. He's intelligent. He's a man of position and power, but he doesn't know about the death and resurrection of Jesus. And what I love about this is, is and I appreciate, appreciate about Philip, he doesn't hesitate to witness to this person. I mean, God tells him to do it, and this person is probably darker than me, although I get dark in the summer, working on my tan. But he's probably, not probably, he is a person from a different culture, a different ethnicity, different language. But yet Philip sees this man for who he really is, a soul that Jesus died for. Amen? One last point about Philip is that, that Philip, in his difficult travel, is for one soul. It's not for a town, or it's for one person. God sends us to individuals. He cares for each one of us. Luke chapter 15 says this, There's great rejoicing in heaven over one soul. One soul that's saved. This is the kind of way your outreach pastor looks at things, okay? There's seven-something billion people in the world. Five billion don't know Jesus. Two billion do. Do the math, right? You think about it? It's only two and a half people that we have to share the good news with. And all five billion will have heard the gospel. I mean, really, that, that, that's what it is. And it makes hearing God's command to go make disciples, baptizing, all that Matthew 28 stuff, right? It makes it kind of less daunting, but maybe even more urgent. 
in our life. Two and a half people. And the gospel would have been proclaimed to five billion. I'm thankful to God that he gets our attention. I'm thankful to God that he sends us opportunity. Those are the first two points. But third and fourth point really is that he's going to give us his word. And he's also going to give us joy when we share the good news. That's what we're going to talk about. And so let's say you get an interruption. You get a seemingly irritation or a delay, you know, and you realize, okay, God, I think this is for a reason, you know, and now what am I supposed to do? You're terrified, right? Because, you know, I think it's time to share the gospel. What are you going to do? Or maybe that. I mean, we look at Philip and what he did, and we're going to learn from that. What's next? I mean, that's one of our biggest fears of sharing the good news. What do I do? And the comfort of the gospel is don't worry. In Luke's gospel, says, Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to say. At that time, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. Not before, though, God giving us his words. So this is just kind of my simplistic way of understanding the gospel and the good news, okay? This is just kind of how I think about it when I preach to all of you. Because we're all at different levels of faith. Maybe some don't have faith yet. Maybe some do. Maybe have some. But what I think, if you've been a Christian for a long time, guess what? You know enough. You know enough. You know that God is perfect and you're not. And I'm not. You know enough that every single person on the face of the earth needs to understand that we need to repent before a holy God. And the only way I'm saved is through Jesus. Amen? That's it. You know enough. It might even be helpful and more helpful if you had some of these Bible verses, just a few put together in understanding 2 Corinthians 5.21, Romans 5.8, John 3.6. I mean, if you know those, right? One of this is one of my favorite. For God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that through him we might become the righteousness of God. Maybe I'll use that next week in our becoming. But become, I mean, God took our place. I'm an outreach pastor, an evangelist pretty much with that gift. But I don't always listen to God. Sometimes I'm just irritated and sometimes I don't want to. Sometimes I'm afraid. I, I disobey. But the good news of the gospel is that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While I'm, sinister, while I'm still a sinner... Christ died for me, died for us. John three sixteen for God so loved the world. Acts four twelve salvation's found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Knowing some Bible verses, having God's word. How many? How many? Do you have more than? Raise your hand if you have more than one Bible in your house. Right on your phone. Right, people are taking. I mean, we have it. So it's right there. God gives us His word. That's what I think about now. If you've been, if you just become a Christian and you're new, well, you understand this simple message. The simple message that we just explained. And you get that opportunity to grow in your faith. In this place, in a small group, wherever it is. I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, then when it comes to, you know, well, what about these scientific things? What about the apologetics and those questions that seem like, oh, man, you know, because people really want to get you, right? Well, just go ask Pastor Joe. He's our apologetics guy. No, we have the freedom to just say, you know what? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm going to find out for you. And I'll take you to somebody who does, right? You can point them my direction. I might not have all their answers, and I know I don't. But this, in this story, Philip, he just doesn't barge in. You know, God tells him to go. But what he does is he pulls up alongside of this chariot, and he's listening first. He's understanding, oh, that guy's reading from Isaiah. Huh, what else is going on? You know, and we're aware and we're sensitive. We're hearing. Basically, we're using the two ears that God gave us more than the one mouth that he gave to us. 
So really, when we go and we're able to share that good news, right? And I said this before, I think, that people really want to know that you care before, how's it go? Before they care about what you know, right? Philip's listening. Huh, that's the guy. You know, he's kind of perplexed on this issue. And he starts with that very passage of Scripture that was given to the eunuch. Listen before we speak. But then when we do speak, we share God's word. And here's what I love about that. That when we do share God's word, we know that it is the power of God and salvation. We know that when it is God's word, it's living and active. The the writer of Hebrews says, and and the writer of Isaiah says, it's not going to return void. When it goes out, it's going to accomplish the purpose for which we sent it, which he sent it. And so the beauty of sharing, speaking God's word We're not convincing, we're not convicting, we're not converting. The Holy Spirit, by the power of God's word, is doing that. So we get to speak God's word when it's given to us. Specifically, Philip shared in Isaiah 53, that great suffering servant passage of the Old Testament, that Jesus was the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. Can you imagine then the joy in Philip's heart when the eunuch said, Hey, there's some water! Why can't I be baptized? What's Philip saying? No, not yet. Got to teach you more, whatever. No, he already taught him, right? And, and the, the Spirit's convicted him to be baptized. I'm thankful to the Lord that I had the privilege to experience so many of those opportunities, not just as a missionary, but here in this place. So many stories you've heard from me. That's what the church is. We share the good news. And I think I said to you, this to you last summer, that, that did you know in Ethiopia now? They're actually, this is, Faith Lutheran Church, right? In Ethiopia, there are more Lutherans than there are in the United States. That's crazy. That's crazy thing about it. I mean, you know, wow. Praise God for that. And I can tell you honestly, other than my wife's honeymoon and seeing all my kids being born and being baptized, there's no greater joy than understanding you have the privilege of sharing the good news. It's a rush, I tell you what. And when you're able to share that and hear what they have to say, it's amazing. It truly is. I felt pure joy. I got a story to share with you because it kind of relates in this way. You'll hear it in a minute. I had a friend as I was a missionary. I played soccer with. His name was Riyadh. Riyadh, kind of like the city, pronounced the same way as the city in Saudi Arabia. Riyadh was a, a Muslim man who was a teenager in the war. And he had, uh, uh, in, in St. Louis, not only did he play soccer with me, he was a truck driver. And his regular route, route, I don't know how you say that. Anyway, his regular thing, you know, he went from St. Louis to L.A. 1,825 miles, 26 plus hours to drive. And actually, he had a pretty cool chariot. And I actually felt God calling me to jump in that chariot. And I did. And I went with him 26 hours there. And I ate at a taco stand while I was there, sharing the good news, getting sicker than a dog for a day and a half, waiting for a load to go back to St. Louis, puking my guts out. And he's watching me, and I'm hearing stories along the way of how he witnessed his father, his uncle, being shot by a sniper right next to him. His head falls down right on him. He witnessed that he had the ability to take revenge on that sniper because they caught him. And he, they, as a young guy, all the men gave him the gun and said, you kill him. He didn't do it. He couldn't do it. He tells me all this stuff in this 26-hour car ride. 
truck ride, chariot ride. Guess what happens? A couple weeks later, he's baptized. Isn't that awesome? Not only did, did we baptize Riyadh, but we te- baptized his kids, Narcisse and Melvin. And uh, they, they're actually our God kids uh, that, that uh, we pray for. It was a great, great, joyous time for me to experience that. So as, as we look at these things that God puts in our lives that could be irritations and delays or whatever, will we look at them as God's way of getting our attention? Like when moms and dads, you know, your kids wake you up and they distract you from everything, right? Can we look at it as God's way of saying, you know what, I'm going to teach my, it's a teaching moment right here. When you guys get new power tools, right, and you're using them out there and your neighbor says, hey, what you got there? You know, oh man, he's interrupting me now. You know, I want to, can you use it as a way to just, I mean, there's so many ways, right? In our sports clubs, in our schools, in our, in our relationships, we get the privilege of bringing Jesus into every one of those. And if you think about it, it's really only two and a half people that we have to do that with. All right? But here's the thing. I want to give you a disclaimer, okay? Sometimes when you share the good news, you're going to get rejected. Sometimes it's not all joy, seemingly, at all. Sometimes you will fight persecution. But thank God we live in the United States of America, right? Where we're not persecuted like some other countries. That we would be bold to say that. And here's even better news. Here's what scripture says from James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith, it develops perseverance. God wants our faith. That's the most important thing in our life. And he wants us to share that good news with people who don't know. So church, share the good news, right? We share it. We just get out there and we do it. And we let the Holy Spirit work. Amen? We're going to stand up. We're going to sing a new song. Not new. We sang it a couple times. Steve, haven't we? It's called? A good Grace. Good, Good Grace. And really, I like it how I, how I wanted this to be sung because... Philip shares with this guy. He doesn't have any prejudice. He's totally a different race, different culture, different ethnicity, whatever you want to call it. But we're really all from the same people. We're from Adam and Eve and Noah's family. We're all one. Yet that oneness isn't always there because people that we know don't know Jesus. Can we share that with them and be reminded that we can encourage each other. Amen? Let's do that. Let's sing together.